0: It's just so good to have you here. Hey, we're starting a series this morning called Strongholds, and and uh, the reason why um, I believe this is so essential is because I believe the Bible shows us that there are four essential things that God wants to do for every single one of us. The first thing is He wants to see every single person on the planet saved, yes? Come on. So in our... Uh, mission here at the church is, is our version of saying that God wants everyone to be saved, is that we, we call it connect, that we believe that God wants to have a connection with every single person, that you connect with God and you connect with his house and you connect with one another. And, and so God came so that you could be saved, but he did more than that. He came so that you could also be delivered or restored. You see, it's one thing to get saved, it's another thing to be delivered and restored. I don't know about you, but coming to God for salvation is really cool, but I bring a whole lot of baggage with me. And what I need, I remember my dad used to say this to me when it came to church leadership and stuff, he used to say to me, it's one thing to catch a fish, it's another thing to gut it and fillet it. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that there's this process, this force, and we're going to look at this in and the second week of March, and I'm going to show you that all the way through Scripture, from beginning to end, there's these four stages that God takes us through. Salvation, deliverance, or restoration, then a growing, and then ascending to do something significant for Him. And so that's why we have, in the in the life of our church, we have Connect, we want people to be saved. We have a new one, which you'll find out a little bit in a couple of weeks, called Restore, which is we believe that God wants to deliver people. We have Grow, in that and that's what Week three of Next Steps is all about it's discovering what God designed you to do, and then four, which is our one, is influence. Which we believe that every single person that is called of God, that is a Christian, takes influence everywhere they go not just from the pulpit, not just in church, but in every sphere of life, whether it be coaching a rugby team in your spare time or in your workplace. Every single one of us takes the kingdom with us. In fact, the scripture says this that God prepares a way in advance for us, for us to walk in. And so when you go into work tomorrow, wherever you go tomorrow, God's already prepared a way for you. He's already prepared a way to your work colleagues, to your bosses, to your clients, to whatever it is God prepares a way for us. That's why he says that my word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path so that you can see what it is that he's doing in front of you so that when you walk into your business tomorrow, if you're a business owner, God will show you exactly where you need to go. And I love that about God, but that brings influence to the unsaved. And I believe those are the four key things. God wants to see you saved. God wants to see you delivered. God wants to see you grow into the giftings that he has for you. And then four, he wants to see you make a difference in the world. And I think every single person wants that. Every single one of us wants to make a difference. Yes? All right. And so Jesus said it this way in Luke 4, 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news, salvation, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight. In other words, that you would see your life differently, that you would see what God created you to do for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Right there, God is showing the four-step process that he has for each and every one of us, of salvation, of restoration, of, of uh, uh, finding out who we are, discovering our purpose, and then having an influence in our world. I, I just think it's so exciting that that's what God teaches us all the way through. And so today, doing this series about strongholds is not a coincidence because it's part of our key processes here, or what we believe that God wants to restore you. So this series is all about our second stage, that God wants to save you, but that God wants to restore you. And I'm believing that over the next four weeks as we go through this series of strongholds that you'll be delivered and you'll be restored back to the person that God created you to be before all the rubbish came along. Now, are you with me this morning? I really think it's so important. And, you know, our next steps after the service this morning is stage three where we grow and we discover and we'd really love you to come along to that. It also says this in Acts 10, 38 because Jesus had a ministry of deliverance. It says here... How God anointed Jesus and Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he we went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. God, when he sent Jesus, sent him to deliver us, not just to save us, but to deliver us. And when we hear that Jesus wants to deliver us, most of us associate deliverance ministry with somebody who's screaming their head off and their head spinning around. Okay, I thought that was kind of funny, but you're just a little bit slow this morning. Have you been in church long enough? You've seen those, those deliverance sessions, haven't you? You know, where, and the eyes are rolling in the back of their head, and there's demonic stuff going on. And we think that that's what deliverance is for. No, 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 no. That's not what deliver That is deliverance, but Jesus came to deliver all of us of everything. And every single one of us has something in our world that we need to be delivered from. Some of you need to be delivered from the love of Shortland Street. You need deliverance. Some of you need deliverance from the love of pretty little liars. You need deliverance. Some of you are fine because you love coffee and you're okay, but some of you have tea issues and you need deliverance. I'm just joking. And so God comes because he wants to deliver us. We all need to be delivered from something that holds us back. Every single one of us, it doesn't matter how long you have been walking in the Christian life. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. There's always something that God's working on, isn't there? Come on, talk to me this morning. Yeah, when you need to talk to me because the Bible says this, when two or three agree on something, so it is. So if you hear something this morning that you want to be part of your world, then you're going to agree on it. Not only that, when you agree with me, I preach better. So if you want the best of me, you've got to draw it out of me. Come on. Oh, we're getting there slowly. 1 John three eight says this about Jesus. The reason the Son of God appeared was what? To destroy the devil's work. I don't know about you, but i got some devil stuff working in me that needs to be shifted. Some insecurities, some wrong thinking, some things that, that I've adopted that aren't true, some lies that I believe that I need Jesus to come and destroy. Yeah, come on. And I believe, but during this series that God wants to do that. I'm so excited that we're doing this series as part of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I don't think it's uh, by coincidence that God is wanting to do the two at the same time, because I planned it that way. But anyway, I really believe that in doing these two things together, that God will set us free, that God will really set you free. Not not, not just to the freedom you've experienced so far, but that freedom from that stuff that's held on to you for years. You know, that stuff that you've tried to break free of, but it, it just seems to come back and torment you again. That addiction you've tried to break free of, but it just comes back and torment. I really believe with my whole heart. That as we do our prayer and fasting, and as we do this series together, that God will break off those things, that they would not return to pester you again, but he would set you completely and totally free. Well, how do you know that, Craig? Because Joel says this. Joel 2.12, there's going to be a whole lot of scripture this morning, but that's okay. Even now, he declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart. And words, come on, let's get back on track this morning. Let's get back to Jesus being the focus of our lives with fasting and weeping and mourning. In other words, let's get back to what this is really all about. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ with fasting and basically saying, let's be humble about it. Let's humble ourselves. The Bible says this, and when we humble ourselves, God lifts us up. But he's saying here with fasting and then listen to this. This is what it says a little bit later in verse 25. The Lord says, I will give back to you What you lost. He's saying, come on, let's return to me. Let's get back on track here, guys. Let's get back with the focus that I'm the center of your world with fasting, and then I will return to you all the things that you have lost. And I really felt over the new year period as I was praying that God is saying 2018 is the year that things need to be returned to you. Relationships return to you. Your mind return to you. Your health return to you. Your marriage returned to you. There are so many things that have been stolen from us over the years by the enemy in 2018 is the year when God wants to return those things to us. If we would just return to him with our whole hearts, with a humbleness and fast and pray, I believe that in these four weeks that God will return to you the things that have been stolen. The enemy has taken some things and it's Time for us to take them back and Second Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 will be our key verse as we go through these four weeks and it says this, for we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds, come on, and that awesome, that we have... Weapons that demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. And every pretension, the word pretension means every pretending. That sets itself itself up against the knowledge of God. When it says the knowledge of God, it's talking about the truth of God, not just to you personally, but the truth of God overall. Are you with me? And we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. In other words, he's saying this, that we have been given weapons to demolish strongholds, to demolish arguments, to demolish pretending things that aren't true, anything that stands up, that doesn't stand up to the word of God and his truth in our world and in the world, that God has given us the weapons to destroy those things. I think it's really important that you understand that he has given us the weapons, and we demolish. Because I think some of the problem with breaking through and getting deliverance and freedom in our world sometimes is that we want him to demolish. We want him to break down the arguments and the pretensions, but the scripture clearly teaches, I've given you the authority to demolish. It's time for you to stand up and destroy the pretensions and the arguments that raise itself up against the truth that god is speaking to you and i believe god has a truth about you that you have not even seen nor experienced yet i believe that there's some truth about what god wants to do of your life that you have not even seen or experienced yet because the enemy has put up arguments and pretensions so that you don't actually realize all that god wants to do well. I'm believing that during this series that God's going to break off the blindness that you've had to his truth and his truth is going to replace the arguments and his truth is going to replace the pretensions and his truth is going to replace the strongholds and you're going to experience God in a way you've never experienced him before and you're going to experience life in a way you've never experienced it before because that is what Jesus died for. You see a stronghold is simply this. This is what the, the what the uh, basically the Bible concordance slash dictionary says about a stronghold. It said a stronghold a stronghold is a prisoner locked by deception, living a lie by something that's not true. A stronghold is somebody who is caught up living a particular way because they believe something that's not true. They believe something that's not true, and so they're bound up. They're in a stronghold. It's not true, but you have been convinced that it's true. Have you ever been to a circus with elephants? Anybody been to a circus with elephants? And you see them outside and they have like a rope around their leg, which goes to a little stake that's in the ground. And you look at it and you think, what is wrong with that elephant? It it could just rip that thing out of the ground and take off and it would be free. Well, the problem is when they first get that elephant, what do they do? They chain the elephant. And so the elephant tries to break free, but over a period of time, when it realizes it can't break free, they now no longer have to chain the elephant because the, cha- the, the elephant in its mindset says, I can't get free. So they don't need to chain the elephant anymore. They just need to put a rope around its leg so it can feel something around its leg. And then the elephant believes that it's bound it believes that it can't break free friend i'm trying to tell you this morning the enemy would try to tell you that you can't break free but i'm trying to tell you it's just a rope it's just a it's just a perception it's just a pretending that is put in your world that you can't break free you can break free just like the elephant could if it wanted to in that moment with that rope and that stake could just rip it out of the ground and take off. So can you. It's just that the arguments and the pretendings that you have in your head tell you that you can't. And the enemy has planted those things there. You can break free. You've just been convinced by the enemy of a lie that you can't. And in these four, I have four weeks to convince you, to show you, and to help you get free, because anything that exalts itself in our minds pretending, in other words, to be bigger or more powerful than our God is just a lie. Anything that exalts itself in your thinking, that you think it's impossible for God to do something, is a lie, because my Bible teaches me all things are possible with Christ who strengthens me. There's not a thing that Jesus or God cannot do in your world. He can do it. It's just that you are believe a pretending or an argument that says that you can't break free. You know, I was watching uh, TV a wee while ago and uh, it was my day off and I was a little bored. So I was flicking through the channels and I, I came across a documentary and it's, it's not a very nice documentary. It's a documentary about a girl called Elizabeth Hart. Elizabeth Hart was a 14-year-old girl that got kidnapped out of her home in America In the middle of the night, she was taken by a man in the middle of the night and he took her into the bush and uh, he did all sorts of despicable things to her. He believed that she was to be his wife and he took her into the bush and we don't need to go into the details of what he did. But after nine months of being in the bush, he had so convinced her that if she tried to run or she tried to get away, that he would kill her family, kill her friends. Kill. Yeah, you know, she was. She was too. After nine months, she didn't even try to escape because he had convinced her so much that if she ran away, that he'd kill her family, that he'd kill her friends. And then after about twelve months of this, he started taking her into town, into the town that she's from. He'd have her all dressed up in scarves and that, so people couldn't recognize her. But she'd go into the town, and they'll walk around in town and do their shopping and go back. And she wouldn't once ask for help because she was convinced that if she was in the supermarket and she told somebody who she was, that he would kill every single person in the supermarket. They're in the library one day and a police officer comes up to them with a picture of her and says, we've been looking for this girl. Have you seen her? She's been missing for 12 months, but we still think she's alive. Have you seen He's showing it to her and the guy that's kidnapped. Now, this is a moment, isn't it? The police officer's there. All she's got to do is say, that's me, and she's free. But she was so convinced that if she said it was her, that he would not only kill the police officer, but he'd kill everybody in the library and then go and kill her family, even though he had no weapon on her whatsoever. The crazy thing about that story is she was one cry away from Freedom. But she'd been so convinced that it was harder than that. That it was more difficult than that. And you, friend, have been convinced that it's a lot harder than one cry to get free. But my Bible says this, that those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're one cry away from deliverance. It's just you've got an enemy that's convinced you that it's not that simple. It's not that easy. But my Bible, the truth, the word of God says all it takes is for someone to call upon the name of the Lord and they shall be saved. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you're one cry away from your deliverance. You're one cry away from that addiction be broken you're one cry away from your marriage being healed you're one cry away from financial breakthrough you just got to believe that the God that is for you is bigger than the enemy that's against you nothing is impossible for God you're one cry away you know the enemy has no authority The authority of heaven was given to you and I. Jesus said this, all authority I have, I give to you. He has no authority over your life until you believe a lie. And then when you believe a lie, then you allow him to have authority. Because the lie allows him to have authority. Here's the thing. When you believe the lie of the devil, you empower the liar. When you believe a lie, you empower the lie. And that gives him authority that he doesn't have. And it becomes a stronghold, but he tries to convince you that he's allowed that authority. Friend, he's not, he has no authority over you. Here's another truth for you. The scripture says this, that Jesus holds us in the palm of his hand and no one can take us out of it. But he's trying, I, I've got you. I've got you out of his palm. He's not protecting. Friend, it's just a lie. It's just a lie, and if you believe the lie, you empower the liar, and then the liar has authority. But if you turn around and say, actually, hold on a sec, that's not true. The Word of God says, then you disempower the lie, and you disempower its authority, and then you take your authority, and you demolish strongholds and arguments. Are you with me this morning? Let me give you some symptoms of strongholds so that you can work out whether you have a stronghold in your world or not. The first one is this, strongholds steal our focus. If you have trouble focusing on stuff, if your mind is all over the place and you just can't get it kind of centralized, usually it's a stronghold. They want to distract you. Or want, or they want to shift your focus. They want you to be focused on so many things that you can't see your way out. Are you with me this morning? The second thing is it'll cause you to feel controlled. It'll cause you to feel like you have no way out. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm preaching this series because I personally... I discovered a stronghold in my life last year in about February, March last year. And, and I discovered a stronghold and God helped me work my way out of it. And it's just not a stronghold anymore. But I wanna tell you, it, it, it felt like I had no choice. It felt like I couldn't, that this was controlling me, I couldn't control it. There's so many people that feel like, well, you don't understand. I, I, I want to, but I can't. Friend, we're gonna talk about that in a moment. The third thing is it consumes our emotional energy. You just Emotionally, you're just drained all the time. You, you, want, you want to have emotion there for your kids. You, you want to have emotion there for your husband. You, you want to have emotional energy there for your wife, but you just you just got nothing left. You're just absolutely drained. The next thing is it distracts us from our purpose. You get so distracted from your purpose, you say, I, I believe this wholeheartedly. I don't think the devil's really that concerned about Rima going to heaven. I think he's more concerned about how many people Rimmer takes with him. I don't think he has a problem with you being saved. He just doesn't want you to take people with you. So he distracts. So life then becomes about you and not about the lost. I say this with all the love of my heart but we don't come to church for ourselves, people. We come to church for the lost. This is the coach talking to the team, so the team goes and wins the lost. It would be incredibly selfish of us to consume everything on ourselves. And the last thing is, is that it robs us of abundant life. It robs us. Of abundant life the enemy wants you so wrapped up in yourself that you'll never do anything that matters never anything that changes people's lives he wants you so consumed with yourself that you don't even think about anybody else friend i want to tell you that if you would just break out this morning if we would just identify the lies you know god wants you to have an abundant life god wants you to have an abundant. i I, I, was, I was praying this week about a couple of things in my own world and 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 there's some stuff that 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 I'm that we have need of in, in our world. We all do have that. And I'm praying for, and I'm saying, God, if you could just do this one thing, if you could just do this one thing, I'd be so grateful, God, if you could just do this one thing. And then God says to me, what about the other three? I'm like, well, if you just do this one, at least it's one, I'll, I'll be happy. And he goes, what about the other three? Why not have it all, Craig? Why are you just asking for one? Do you think I bled on the cross so you could have a quarter of your life? you think I died on the cross so you could have a quarter of happiness? So you could have a quarter of joy? I died on the cross so that you could have abundant life, and abundant life means all four. Stop praying for one, start claiming all four, and stop being small-minded and believing the lie of the enemy that you can't have all that you want, because my word says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, put him first, and all these things, all your wants shall be added to you. Our problem is is we want everything added to us without seeking him first, but that's another story. And so all of a sudden, it's so like, no, hold on a sec. God wants me to have an abundant life. He wants me to have it all. It says that the enemy comes to rob, steal, and destroy. God doesn't come to do that. He's not trying to steal from you. He's not trying to take from you. He's not trying to destroy. He's trying to give you an abundant life. So anywhere there's lack in your world, it's not because of him, it's because of the enemy, and it's usually because there's an argument or a pretension that you're believing. There's a stronghold that needs to be demolished, and the great news is you can do it. You can demolish it. God wants you, it's your right to have an abundant life. Second Timothy 2.26 says, They will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do His will. I'm believing that as I've shared so far this morning, and we're about to go into the last part of the message, that all of a sudden you're starting to come to your senses of like, hold on a sec. Why am I believing that if that's not what the Bible says, if that's not what Jesus said, why am I allowing that to hold back my life? Why am I allowing that? I hope you're starting to come To your senses you're starting to see the different areas of your world where where you have been entrapped by the lies where you have been entrapped by the pretendings and now all of a sudden you're like you know what i feel like getting i don't know about you but i feel like right now like i can't wait to the service i I want to smack some devil heads together i'm i'm ready Uh, is anybody i'm like i'm ready to do some damage this morning i I, I'm, i'm in the office and i'm just getting so angry and upset that the enemy would so bind people's lives up that they live half the life of what God has for them and and it's just not right and it's not fair and and, and if there's an injustice to be upset about, it's the injustice of the lie of the enemy that robs us from the abundant life. I pray that we would come to our senses, church, and that we we would not buy into his lies anymore. That we're just no. Nah, I'm sorry, that's a lie. I don't buy into that. Oh, you're useless. You couldn't even finish school. What can you it's a lie. I don't buy into that. I don't buy into that. I, I know God's got a plan and a purpose for my life. I know because Psalms tells me, before I was born, that He had a plan and a purpose for my life. I, I know there's something I can do for God because the Scripture says this: that the giftings and the callings of God are without repentance. The gifts that he gives me and the calling that he's called me to, he never takes back no matter what's going on in my world. And it doesn't matter whether I finished school or I went to university or I didn't finish school, those giftings and those callings still have the potential, if I let God get hold of it, to do everything that it set out to be, regardless of my education. In Luke 11, there's this story, and I love the message version of it. it's luke eleven twenty one to 22 it says when a strong man armed to the teeth stands guard in his front yard his property is safe and sound it's true yeah but listen to what listen to what this is jesus talking about deliverance this is him teaching on deliverance but what if a stronger man comes with superior weapons He's basically saying, the enemy stands there sometimes in front of your life, loaded up with weaponry, and it's like, try and get through this. Try and break through this. And you're like, man, I, I can't do that. I, I can't do that. And Jesus said, but what if somebody else comes along who's bigger and has more superior weapons? In other words, he's saying, what if I rock up? What if I turned up? What if, what if Jesus turned up? Then he, the one that was standing there, is beaten at his own game. The arsenal that gave him such confidence hauled off and his precious possessions plundered. In other words, the enemy can stand there and he can pretend and he can argue like he's got this and he's got your life and I've got the weaponry and you can do nothing about it. But when Jesus turns up with superior weaponry, all that he can do is grab his weapons and haul them off and then we walk in and we plunder the house that is left behind. That's the promise. That's the deliverance. There's too many things that have been plundered from your life that are in the strong man's house and it's time for Jesus to turn up with the superior weaponry. It's time for you to turn up with superior weaponry and just say, hey man, you take your weapons and haul them off because I'm about to plunder my house. I'm about to take back what you've stolen from me. And Jesus, this is Jesus' personal teaching on the process of deliverance. And so for the first thing that we're going to do in these next four weeks, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take our thought life back. We're going to take our thought life back. Our thought life. I don't know about you, but some of you, I don't know what you're fasting, but some of you need to fast the media, fast Facebook, fast, just fast the stuff that pulls you down, the stuff that just feeds you a whole lot of rubbish. Don't read the newspaper, don't watch the news. There's nothing worth watching on the news anyway. I always record the news. Because it may be an hour long, but I really only watch about 15 minutes and that's usually just the sport because the rest of it's rubbish. Come on. Like if there's stuff that's bringing you down, if there's friendships that are bringing you down, man, you need to break those friendships because it's time for you to take your mind back. It's time for you to take your thoughts back. Romans 8 says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those that are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So let your sinful nature not control your mind. Leads to death, but let the Spirit control your mind because that leads to life and peace. He's basically saying here, I will never change my life until I change the way I think. Some of you, you think it's this and you think it's that and you think it's the enemy and you think it's your wife or your children or your mother-in-law. No, it's your thinking. That's why it says in Romans chapter 12, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. What? By how? By changing the way you think. By changing how you think. We think so unbiblically half the time. Let let me help you out. This may be really a little bit strong this morning, but you'll cope. Should I go out with my unsaved boyfriend? No. Because the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. It's really simple. Oh, but I really, really like him. Cool, do what you want then. Don't come running to me when it all turns to custard. When there's pain and heartache. Come on, we either start living by the truth, Always start living by our reasoning, what we think. Wow, and that's in the world, it's in the church today. Wow, I just think that was back then, that is not now. Well, then, how come the Bible says that His word stands true forever? And not one bit of it should be taken away or added to. And there's a curse on people that do that. But we think it's okay to go, ah, that was back then. This is, no, this is why you're in a lie. This is why you're in a stronghold. It's because it's the truth that sets you free. Sorry. We're going to take back our thought life. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to identify the lie. We're going to identify the strongholds in our world. We're going to, we're going to identify them. John 8.44 says, when the devil lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. He can't can't have a normal conversation. He just has lying conversations. There's not one truth that comes out of him. It's just lie after lie after lie. And here's the thing. This is why we need to identify the lie in the stronghold, because when we expose the lie, we would defeat the liar. When you expose the lie, you defeat the liar, and you break his hold that he has on your life. And that's what we're going to do over these four weeks. We're going to expose the lies we believe and defeat the liar. And how are we going to defeat the liar? Number three, we're going to replace the lie with God's truth. We're going to replace these lies with God's truth. We're going to put the truth and the new thinking into our minds. We're going to put the truth, oh, I don't know if I can do that, Craig. Friend, there's nothing that is too difficult for a God. Well, you, you don't understand, I was born this way. no. There is nothing too difficult for our God. But but, but my dad, he was, no, there is nothing that's too difficult for our God. Here's a truth for you this morning, because if you're thinking that way, you're caught up in a stronghold lie. Here's a truth for you this morning. There is nothing impossible or too hard for our God. It doesn't matter about your upbringing. It doesn't matter what your dad or your mum or your cousin or your next-door neighbor's auntie's uncle's cat's neighbor's owner done to you. There is nothing too difficult for God. That's the truth. That is the truth. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. It's not half free. It's not quarter free. It's not a little bit free. It's not free for three weeks or five months. It's free forever. It's the truth. And so when the lie comes, it says, well, you were free four weeks ago, but you're not free now because, look, you're struggling again. You can turn around and say, but the Word of God says... That who the Son sets free is free indeed. And He set me free four years ago, and this is four weeks ago, and this is just an argument and a pretending and a lie, and I rebuke it and I demolish that stronghold. There's nothing too difficult for God. There's no sexual issue too big for our God. There's no addiction too big for our God. There's no relationship problem too big for our God. There's no kid. That is too far away from god that he can't reach there is nothing to big for our god but you don't understand i've been praying i've been believing i understand and it looks like nothing is happening but friend don't be convinced that the enemy says you've been praying for your kids and nothing is happening they're never going to come back to jesus they're never going to turn their lives back to jesus Don't believe that, that's a lie, it's an argument, it's a pretending, it's a pretension. You gotta come back and say, my Bible says that me and my whole household shall be saved. My Bible says that if I raise my kids right, they won't depart in their old age, and they may be in their 20s, but they're not in their 40s yet. They're not in their 50s or their 60s. I've told this story before and I tell it again. My mum prayed for my Uncle Rex for 50 years. He found Jesus in his 70s. Come on, friend. Either we believe the truth and we trust him, no matter how long it takes, or we're going to believe a lie and it's going to become a stronghold in our lives. I want to tell you this morning, we can overcome. We can overcome. The problem with a message like this is unfortunately the Bible is more aggressive about this sort of thing than we are. The Bible says things like heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And our prayers at night is, Lord, bless me as I lay myself down to sleep. We don't fight. We don't get aggressive. We don't get fired up. But yet Ephesians teaches us really, really clearly, really clearly that we're in a fight. Why? Why? It's, it's, it's not really my personality. I'm, I'm, not, I'm more of a lover than a fighter. Friend, if, if, if you really believe that, you're already believing a lie. Because when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're in a war. There's an enemy. And you have to stand up and be in the army. That's why in Ephesians 6 it says, Finally, finally, in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his, pow- and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. He's not saying this is optional, friend. He's not saying some will be fighters and some will be architects and the really bad people will be accountants. No, really bad people will be car salesmen. We'll put them over there. No, we're all to put on the armor of God. Why? Because we are all in a fight. And it goes on and it says that the armor that we put on, every single one of it, apart from one, or I would say two, pieces of the army are defensive. The breastplate, the belt, there, there is an offensive weapon. Or I reckon there's two. I think faith as a shield can be an offensive weapon as well. But there is a weapon that we're meant to use, and it goes on and it says this. It says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and then listen to this, and pray. Oh, I love that. I love that. There's too many people that take the sword of the Spirit. and sword of the Spirit and pray. And pray. Pray what? Pray the Word of God. Pray the sword of the Spirit. Pray it over your situation. Pray it over your circumstances. Pray it over your life. Get that sword out there, sticking it right in the nose of the enemy. You know, the Bible says this, and we said to Peter, we heard this last week with Pastor Danny, that the gates of hell shall not prevail. They're not actually attacking, they're defending. They're in a defensive position. It's time for us to get the sword of the Spirit and to pray and to start to claim it so how do we replace the lies? With the sword of the spirit, with the word of God. And then what do we do? Once we have that word of God, what do we do with it? We pray. We pray it over our circumstances. We pray it over our situations. We pray it over our kids. We get a hanky, we anoint it, and we claim salvation over it. And we put it under the mattress of where our unsaved kid sleeps. And they don't realize that they're praying over the anointing to be saved. While they're sleeping, they got no idea what's going on, but you know what's going on because you're praying. Because you haven't just got your armor on, and you haven't just got a word of God on you, but you're praying that word. Some of your kids that have walked away from God have had prophecies over their lives when they used to come to church when they're little. How about starting to pray those prophecies back over your kid's life. When they were eight, God said that they'll be a leader and they'll lead people to Christ, but now they're 25 and they're away from him, but that's okay because the Lord prophesied and his word goes out and it never returns empty. It accomplishes everything. It says, you know what I'm saying? We start to swing that sword around when we pray. And so for the next three weeks, we're gonna use these weapons, the word of God and prayer. The word of God and prayer we're going to pray the word of god and we're going to find freedom and we're going to be changed in jesus name does anybody believe that this morning does anybody believe that this morning because if you don't really believe that this morning that through the word of god and prayer that your life has changed and friend there's a stronghold already over you you have to believe that god is for you and not against you that all things work together for good for those who love god and accord according to his purpose that he makes all things beautiful in his you got to believe it otherwise you'll believe the lie that that this is never going to happen that god doesn't love you that god's not for you he's for craig and he's for all these up but he's not for you friend it's a lie it's a stronghold and you need to break through of it. And the secret to deliverance is this. Know the deliverer. The secret to deliverance is to know Jesus. So I just get everybody to just close your eyes just for a moment, please. Because I don't know everybody here and I don't know everything that's going on in your world. And the, cool, the crazy thing about most strongholds is we keep them secret. So some of us have stuff that we're going through that nobody else knows and we're not going to tell anyone because we're ashamed of it and I'm not asking you to tell anyone about it just yet. But here's the thing that I know about Scripture is this, that the Bible says that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That when we confess our sins to God, he forgives us. I don't care what the enemy says, he forgives us. There's a next stage in that process where it says that when we confess our sins to one another, that we pray for each other, not judge each other, but pray for each other that we would be healed. The reason why most of us are saved and still bound up is because we haven't got ourselves into a small group, a connect group, or got some friends around us that we can talk to so that we may be healed. But the first point in being delivered is to know the deliverer. And if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, friend, I want to give you an opportunity to know the deliverer. The God that has already forgiven you for your sins when he died on the cross for you. The God that has already provided healing for your body when it says that by his stripes we are healed when he was whipped and beaten. The God who proclaimed in Luke 4 that my job is to proclaim the good news to deliver people from darkness, to give sight back to the blind and lead the prisoners free. That's what he's here for. But to know deliverance, you've got to know the deliverer. And maybe you don't know him this morning. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ this morning. Or maybe you know that you're away from him. You're so far away from him, you're not even sure he remembers your name. I want to tell you this this morning. He knows you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He's just waiting for you to turn to him. As Joel says, turn back to me. Turn back to me. I'll give you back what you lost, but you've got to return to me.